Hi, church. Today we're going to dive into the second half of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus gave us, as his followers, a prayer to live by daily. This prayer is the cornerstone of his mission, his kingdom revolution. Jesus came to establish the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And more and more of heaven spreads to more and more of earth through Jesus working in us and through us. This prayer is the heart of the gospel message that transforms not just us, but the world around us. Jesus knows that we need to be encouraged, inspired and reminded of our mission and the loving Father who provides our every need as we journey with him. Now let's read this prayer again together. You can get out your Bible or the Bible app on your phone and turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. I'm reading from the New King James Version, but you read from whatever version that you like. Let's begin. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And last time we looked at this prayer, um, we talked about the fact that it is more than just stale tradition or strange words. It is life-giving, life-changing, revolutionary prayer that Jesus intended for us to pray every day. You know, Jesus is on a mountainside when he is talking to his disciples and, and crowds gather as he teaches on several key topics, including prayer. Though this prayer, you know, takes, you know, less than 30 seconds to read, it is so full of power and will take us our entire journey with Jesus to unpackage. So it is my hope to inspire you today to go away and pray, study and wrestle with these words, the concepts and the heart behind it. And I hope that it changes not just your personal prayer life, but the prayer life of this community. Jesus covers a lot in this first part of the prayer. He establishes two aspects of God's character, redefining who God is to remind the disciples exactly who they were praying to. First of all, that he is our Father in heaven who was revealed in the Son, Jesus. In this moment, Jesus is inviting us to share in his identity and his mission. Second, Jesus encourages us to recognise God as holy, to be, not to be feared, not as in scared, but revered. God is holy, truly awesome and above all, and we need to acknowledge that every single day of our lives. Next, Jesus makes a declaration, God's will and our mission for the kingdom of heaven to spread throughout the earth. Heaven and earth are ripped apart in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve declare independence from God and choose to define good and evil for themselves. God's desire to bring the two back together is accomplished by Jesus and Jesus passes his mission to us. Go out into the world and make disciples. Spread the good news, be part of his kingdom revolution until Jesus returns one day, once and for all, bringing all of heaven to all of earth. It's pretty awesome stuff, right? But what does this all mean? 
how, how do we do it? What message are we spreading? Jesus goes on to explain it in the rest of the prayer. He returns to the heart of who God is and the heart of the gospel message. A loving father who provides all our needs, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Let's dive right in. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, here Jesus is drawing our attention to the fact that God provides afresh for us every single day. This line of request reorients our relationship with our Father, who we acknowledge is our provider. It also inspires generosity because whatever I have, I can happily share with others, knowing that God will provide fresh for me every single day. Like every good parent, God is going to look after us and supply our everyday needs, food, clothing, relationships and community. In referring to daily bread, Jesus is drawing parallels between the Hebrew scriptures as well as bringing a new teaching. In Exodus 16, as Moses led the Israelites out of slavery and into a new land, God provided new manna for the nation every single day. They were instructed to only collect what they needed for that day as God would provide fresh every day. We are like the Israelites, stuck between two worlds. Heaven has not yet taken over all of earth and we are waiting for that day. In the meantime, God wants us to rely on him for everything, every day. Jesus encourages us to shift our thinking and wants to revolutionise our hearts. Our basics are not earned. They are a gift from God. While God wants us to work hard and says hard work is good for us, he does not want us to rely on ourselves. Self-sufficiency has become an idol in and of itself, and God did not design for us, us to live this way. When Jesus owns it in the first place, this completely changes my view on my stuff. Over time, God has changed my heart, and I no longer see my stuff as mine. It is his. So I am grateful for what I have, and it is not difficult to tithe and to give some of my finances back to him, nor is it difficult to share what I have with others. God is a generous and abundant father, and I know he is never going to run out of stuff or run out on me. Jesus reminds us that when we are part of his kingdom revolution, God is going to care for all of our needs every single day. Now we move on to the next line. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This is huge. Who has debt? I bet almost everyone is nodding in their living room right now. There are various types of debt, but I think, you know, that's pretty much all of us. It's frustrating. It's stressful. It can be overwhelming at times. But the kind of debt Jesus was referring to is a whole lot more than that. It is a hostage-taking, life-threatening deal. At the time Jesus walked the earth, the Roman Empire ruled in the region and their jails weren't full of criminals. They were filled with debtors, so people who couldn't pay their debt. 
This put pressure on the families of the prisoners to work to the bone until they could pay off the debt so that their family member could be freed. Debt meant severe pain and tragedy for the debtors and their families. So this is incredible news for us. Hooray for context, right? Jesus comes to earth and dies on the cross to cancel the debt we owe God. Our debt is our sin and Jesus wipes it out. This is grace, the heart of the gospel message. When we didn't deserve it, Jesus came and he took all of it. So now we can approach the Father in heaven, ask for forgiveness and ask for strength to start afresh. But Jesus goes a step further, doesn't he? He says, as we forgive our debtors. So in other words, as we forgive those who sin against us. And it must be really important because he returns to the topic in verse 14. And I'm going to read from the the Passion Translation. And it says, and when you pray, this is Jesus talking, and when you pray, make sure you forgive the faults of others so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you. But if you withhold forgiveness from others, your Father withholds forgiveness from you. Wow. So not only must we forgive others, God won't forgive us if we refuse to forgive others. The command to love one another is not just tied up in generosity with our stuff. Part of it is also forgiving each other, letting it go. The number one sign that Jesus' grace has sunk down deep and ingrained itself in our hearts and is a reality in our everyday lives is our ability to ask forgiveness from God and release forgiveness to others. And this issue creeps into our everyday life. So this is why Jesus encourages us to bring it before the Father every single day for a clean slate. And as we move on, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, what Jesus is trying to say is our Father is with us and he loves us so much that he will never, ever abandon us. No matter what comes our way, he will deliver us through the other side. And this is great news. In James chapter 1, verse 13, in the Amplified Version, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For temptation does not originate from God, but from our flaws. For God cannot be tempted by what is evil, and he himself tempts no one. So that clears up the picture a little bit, because it is a confusing line in some ways. God doesn't tempt me to sin or cause me to sin. As humans, we are tempted and we sin every day. I tend to agree with the school of thought that says the meaning of temptation has other con- connotations beyond just the temptation to sin. It's more like a test. Especially as we've seen here in James, God doesn't tempt people to sin, but he does lead people into tests. Jesus was led into two tests. First in the wilderness, where he is tempted by the devil before he starts his kingdom mission, and second, in the Garden of Gethsemane before he is handed over to be crucified. Jesus doesn't play down temptation. In the wilderness, he was hungry after fasting for 40 days and nights, and it was horrible. <laughs> in the garden, Jesus says, take this cup from me. In other words, I don't want to 
I don't want this job. I, I don't like this. I don't want to die. But there's a but. But deliver us from the evil one. This is the moment of surrender. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go through this. And just as you lead me in, I trust you, God, to lead and deliver me out. The devil isn't going to win. So here in Matthew, in Matthew, it refers to the devil as the evil one. So we can interchange those terms. And Jesus had this moment in the garden, but not my will be done, but yours. Jesus surrenders and trusts God to lead him through. Just amazing. The presence of Jesus in our lives, complete surrender to our King and dependence on him is the ultimate purpose and prize of a test. There is nothing more attractive than someone who walks with Jesus. Paul refers to it as a sweet-smelling aroma. It is hard one and also attractive. As David writes in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So, what could this prayer sound like in your life and in my life? I'm going to pray around this prayer and I invite you to pray with me. You can close your eyes, you can lift your hands, you can get on your knees wherever you are right now, however you feel comfortable to pray. Why don't you just close your eyes and, and think on this prayer and I'm going to lead us through. Thank you, God, that you are our Father and you love us so much. You are holy, you are truly awesome, and we humble ourselves before you today. Thank you for sending Jesus to restore us to relationship with you. We want to be part of your mission to bring more and more of heaven to more and more of earth, spreading the good news of your love, redemption, and provision. God, we love you. Help us to love one another. You are our Father, and like a good parent, you want to provide for us. Lord, we trust you to supply our needs every single day. Change our hearts. We don't want to rely on ourselves. We want to rely on you. Everything we have is a gift from you. Everything belongs to you, God. Help us to be generous with everything we have over and above. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for us so that there is no debt, there is no sin, nothing separating us from God anymore. Give us strength to ask for forgiveness, receive it and release it to others. We give up our rights to retaliate and instead extend forgiveness just as you have forgiven us. Finally, God, help us when we're tested. You are our shepherd and we trust you to lead us in every area of our lives, including through a test. And we trust you to deliver us out the other side, God. As we walk through this test, Holy Spirit, give us strength to rely on you and draw us closer to you. You are so mighty and glorious and worthy of all the praise, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for praying that with me. I encourage you to return to this prayer again and again. You can meditate on it. You can expand on it line at a time or simply read it and pray it as it is. It is a powerful, revolutionary prayer that reminds us of Jesus' mission and our Father 
in heaven who loves us. Thanks, church. It's been so great to share these thoughts with you on the Lord's Prayer. If you missed last week's service, why don't you go back and watch or listen to the message so you've got a whole picture. We've only just scratched the surface, so I encourage you to dig a little deeper. Perhaps do some study and read some commentary or maybe a devotional plan on the Bible app. You could get together with a friend and look at the prayer together. Most of all, I urge you to take this to God in your quiet time and ask him what he wants to reveal to you today. We are all called to be part of this revolution. What part do you have to play? How is God calling you to step out this week? And this is the best news. The Lord's Prayer is for everyone. Jesus wants you to be part of this kingdom. He wants to grant you access to our Father God, who will provide your every physical need, spiritual need and emotional need. This kingdom is made of individuals and God deeply cares and loves and has a special plan for every single one of us. If you're tired of trying to make it on your own, you know, perhaps you're feeling like no one's got your back or there is little purpose to life, I can tell you what you need. It's a person and his name is Jesus. If you want to have a restored relationship with your Father in heaven, Acknowledging Jesus as your Lord and your Saviour is the way to do it. All we do is pray a simple prayer to start this relationship. And you know, sometimes we say this prayer and then we get distracted. We forget about how much God loves us and the purpose Jesus has given us. So if that's you today and you want to return to relationship with God, I also invite you to pray this prayer from your heart. So let's pray together. Repeat these words after me. God, thank you that you love me so much. You sent your son Jesus to die in my place so that I can be made right with you. I'm sorry for trying to live life my own way. I stop that now and I turn to you. You are my Lord and my saviour and my friend. Thank you for forgiving me and loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I ask that you uh, press the raise hand button so one of our team can chat and pray with you and help you on your journey with Jesus. And you know, church, I'm praying this week that these truths we have talked about today sink down deep in all our hearts. You know, if it's a physical need you need to trust God with, I'm praying that you hand over your burdens to him. You know, at the end of Matthew 6, Jesus promises that our Father in heaven loves us so much that he has it all under control and not to worry about tomorrow. You know, if it's an emotional or spiritual need like the issue of unforgiveness, I'm believing you'll find healing in God's presence. You know, a great message that I listened to recently um, Describe forgiveness as a flow. You know, if we can learn to forgive almost constantly, let it be a flow in our lives, then there is little room in our hearts for offence and unforgiveness. You know, Jesus, led by example, he forgave people before they even messed up, like Simon Peter. 
denying him. He forgave him before he even did it. You know, and if that's something that you're facing today, that that issue of unforgiveness, I'm praying that you have the courage to turn to God and begin that journey. Or perhaps you're going through a truly tough time at the moment, you know, a test of sorts. I pray for surrendered hearts. Lord, we trust you. Just as you have led us in, you will lead us out again. We thank you for your goodness and we trust that you'll bring everything together for good. Thank you for your peace that surpasses all understanding. Let it guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus.